others. We're happy and we're singing and we're colored. Give me a My name is Jason. Tonight's rundown includes uh, gun reform. We have a special guest, Pastor Mike. He's going to be talking to us about some things that we can do to um, change the conversation and steer it in a different direction. Um, Tina Shea makes the show. Uh, former stunt king of the year nominee, Orlando Brown, makes the show as well. And we're going to have a little bit of conversation around Aunt Nippy that I'm sure Bill will be appreciative of. My name is Jason. Um, I'm the host of the show, hostess with the mostest. Let's kick it over to my main man, Dex. What up, bro? Hey, guys. Um, as usual, super excited to be here. Very quick story, like I always do. Um, I just want to say I really have an issue with young men who don't take care of their hair. I am sitting over here balding. I cannot grow a full head of hair if I wanted to. And there are literally guys out there who will not tie their hair. They don't brush their hair. Like, you got to respect that. God gave you a gift. You really got to take care of it. Get your hair cut regularly. Get to wear your do-rags, tie it up, grease it down. Take care of that hair, fellas. I <laughs> bet <laughs> if you had an afro, you would be tying it up. In one Man, if I had an afro, like, you wouldn't be able to tell me. If I could grow an afro, you wouldn't be able to tell me nothing. There are literally guys out here whose beards connect, and they don't even care or take care of it. Y'all are like foreign creatures. Like, I, don't, I, can't, I can't trust y'all. <laughs> Tied a guy. What up, bro? <laughs> I'm okay. Um, considering tying up my hair for tonight, <laughs> right? <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> Bill, how are you, sir? You representing the track uh, team today? I am. Um, so, speaking of which, real quick, I just want to give a shout out to all of the uh, PIAA uh, track and field athletes from the public league who went up to the state meet over the weekend at Shippensburg University, and we came back with a lot of uh, state champions. Um, and so, Pennsylvania is now one of the uh, only states in the country with uh, sprinter uh, state sprint state champions, and we also have the fastest times in the country. So, a special shout out to my athlete number seven in the state and number eight in the state uh, in the two and the three hundred hurdles and the two hundred meter dash, respectively. Jada Smith, uh, Thelma Davies, who's what? the number one female. Yes. So I'm just just giving a shout out. She's number you seven, and number eight that? in the state. Well, I did already, but I also, you know, want to give her a shot. Dex, you couldn't tweet about that bald spot you got, but you still talking oh about it. Oh my gosh, here we Let go. Let it go. We oh. know you ain't got no hair. You still talking about it. <laughs> Please don't be ghetto. Um, and our very special guest tonight uh, is Pastor Mike McBride. Um, how are you, sir? Welcome to the show. Appreciate you coming on. Yo, what's up, family? Glad to be here with everyone and uh, very inspired by this hair conversation. <laughs> Bless you, Reverend. <laughs> Did it touch you in a special way? <laughs> Deep down in my sanctified soul. Come on. Sanctified. Come on. Okay. Well, if you guys don't know, uh, Michael, Pastor Michael McBride, the lead pastor of the Way Christian Center up in Berkeley, California. Um, he is also the director of Urban Strategies and the Live Free Campaign. Uh, he's a former advisor on President Obama's Faith-Based Advisory Council for Faith-Based 
faith-based and neighborhood partnerships. That's a tongue twister right there. And um, he's also the co-founder of the Community Justice Reform Coalition and the National Black Brown Gun Violence Prevention Consortium. So um, the reason we have Pastor Mike on today is because we want to talk about something that is uh, seemingly affecting everyone nowadays, and that's gun violence. Um, there's been multiple mass shootings this year. I think the number right now is over 100 already, and uh, we're already in May. And um, there's time that, you know, we play a lot on this show and, you know, we talk about all the pop culture topics and stuff like that. But it's time we're kind of where we have to get serious and kind of use our platform to discuss uh, bigger topics. Um, so this week we're going to talk about um, what we can do to better influence um, the gun debate going on here in America. So, Pastor Mike, you have outlined previously in other interviews um, ways that we can um, in a practical ways, I should say, that we can um, influence this conversation. And what are some things that we can do um, as young people to help out with this gun situation that seems to be super prevalent right now in society? No, great questions. And, and I, I want to commend you all on using your platform to, to help move this conversation forward. I, I'll, I'll say three quick things. We call it proclamation policies and programs. Um, is a framework that we want to uh, suggest many can use proclamation or the way in which we share and capture the narrative around gun violence in uh, our country is critically important. Although mass shootings break through the national conversation around gun violence, we have to continue to remember that uh, less than 3% of all gun fatalities in this country are a result of mass shootings. And uh, so if less than 3% of the gun fatalities in our country are generated from mass shootings, where then are the rest of the gun fatalities coming from? Right. The we have to capture is to help proclaim that everyday violence in our communities, particularly black, brown, poor, under-resourced communities, and suicides, largely by young white men, make up the lion's share of gun fatalities in our country. That kind of clarity helps us to have a narrative around proclamation of how then we message this problem and then train our ears, our heart, our minds to solve the problem um, in its huge impact and not in the sensationalized nature uh, as it happens across the country. And so proclamation is really important, making sure we have the right narrative, the right analysis, policies, making sure we we implement the policy initiatives that are around common sense gun uh, legislation, but also public health approaches right. to addressing gun violence and then programs, the implementation of those strategies. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what do you think? Um, I, I watched an interview that you did back in uh, 2013. I know, and, and <laughs> I research. You know, so that's, that's what I do. Wow. So I watched the interview. I, 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 I was a little thinner back then. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't we all? Maybe, maybe, maybe I had some hair. Talking about that hair, my brother talking about. That's back when he was tying it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I watched the interview, and you were kind of optimistic um, about the NRA and its members. Like you basically said that, you know, the talking heads for the NRA aren't necessarily um, represent, representative of the members of the NRA in a lot of cases. Um, now that we have a new president in office and you can kind of see the president uh, fueling um, the NRA's talking heads, uh, do you still feel this type of way? Because people seemingly to be embracing uh, Trump's narrative, at least some members in the NRA. What do you think about well, it, it's always clear to me that there's a vocal minority that actually overwhelms the silent majority. 
And okay. that's true everywhere. Um, I think that the overall majority of NRA members still agree that background checks, public health approaches, assault weapons bans, et cetera, are important remedies. Um, but the NRA executives, the profiteering companies, uh, the gun manufacturing industry, and then the vocal minority of white supremacists or right. at least white-centered leaders right. who have figured out a way to profit off fear, to weaponize fear, to weaponize black uh, skin or at least non-white bodies, those individuals are, I think, taking up a lot of oxygen in the conversation. And so our approaches have to really be able to nuance this. Even today, my, my optimism does not flow from the practicality of the situation as we see it. My optimism flows from our faith, from the reality that our people have overcome these challenges historically, and we will continue to overcome them in the future. But we have to keep pushing, keep doing the great work. Our generation can't be afraid of the work. That's right. I love that you use the word optimistic because like I'm 100% against guns. I don't like it. I, like I don't growing up I never played with guns like when I see things with guns I'm like I want nothing to do with that I don't go to, to shooting ranges I don't do any of that kind of stuff I'm just 100% against guns and like every time I turn on the news like I hear some form of gun violence it's if it's not someone shooting up a school um, it's maybe somebody in somebody's neighborhood doing something that's all every time you turn around there's some form of gun violence that's like right in front of our face and for me it's kind of like I've gotten to the point where like I'm almost like Desensitized? Yeah, I'm like desensitized by it. And I also like, I don't, not that I don't care because I do care, but I'm, I, I, I'm like, I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know <laughs> what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to say anymore. And like, do you ever feel discouraged by like fighting for stricter gun laws? Like, do you ever feel discouraged by it? And also, how do you get over that? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't I don't wake up every day trying to fight for stronger gun laws. I don't right. think that's even in my wheelhouse. What I'm trying to do is get in the neighborhoods and fight for loved ones that look like you and me. Um, I have met and worked with young folk in dozens of cities across the country, um, young men, particularly between the ages of 18 and 33, 34, who are the highest um, uh, at risk of shooting or being shot. My joy and my optimism flows out of seeing that when we actually engage with a number of loved ones who are caught in the cycle of violence, they actually choose to stop without going to jail and even often without having to be um, employed with a job. Mm. Many of our loved ones are just dealing with an intractable cycle of violence. And so we have to, as, as black folk in this country, not get sucked into the national sensationalization of the gun prevention movement. Okay. This issue in our communities is about you and I going into our neighborhoods. Again, less than half of 1% of your city's population is driving over 60% of the violence. Mm -hmm. I want to say that again. Less than half of 1% wow. of our city's population drives over 60% of the violence. It's a super small number of folks that are driving the violence. We can't be afraid of our own people. We can't be afraid of our own loved ones, family members. We have to figure out ways to extend love, to extend generosity, to extend um, some form of structure. But I do find that the overwhelming majority of loved ones we work with choose to stop shooting with a structured intervention. That is what gives me hope. It reminds me that black people, black males in particular, are not inherently violent. We are just victims and often 
um, locked in social conditions that provoke fear, anger, and pain. We have to be the healers of that condition. That is what brings me hope every single day I wake up. That's pretty powerful. (laughs) Bill, do you have a question? Um, I want to know, what do you say to those people who say that we should go in and not just engage black and brown people, but teach them responsible gun management or teach them how to responsibly uh, carry weapons. Um, like, cause I, I, I don't want to sound contrary, um, but like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. What, what do you say to those people? Like there's an argument that says that we should arm black and brown people and teach them to be responsible that way we can have a defense against, uh, let's say, somebody running up to us and telling us our music is too loud and then blasting six shots into the car. Great question. Two things. I reject that notion that we need to be taught responsibility as if we don't know how to be responsible, right? I think the average Black person in this country has had to deal with imminent and uh, 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 arbitrary violence since the history of our existence in this country has 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 been a reality. There's not been one day in the history of this country where black bodies and dark skin bodies have not been subjected to arbitrary violence at the hands of the state. So we're responsible. We know how to negotiate these environments. We have to figure out how do we lessen the conditions that make violence possible. There is much research, and this is what we have to do. We have to not be moved by fear and propaganda. Much research teaches us that if you have a gun in your home, or on your person, you are more likely to be hurt by that gun or your family member is more likely to be harmed by that gun than the person you are supposedly trying to protect yourself from. Right. And so just the presence of a gun actually makes it more likely for you to be shot. Now, I am not one of these people who are unaware of the rising threat of white supremacists, uh, white vigilantes, the kind of imminent threats that uh, black gun ownership historically has been a responsible uh, uh, response to kind of white vigilantes wrecking terror and havoc in our communities. I am against strategically and you know morally this idea that black people should be arming ourselves to guard against police or state violence. I think that is a recipe of disaster. I don't think strategically there is any way that we could win that kind of fight. It may yeah. make you feel more masculine, right? And more defensive, like is, you feel more defensive, right? You just automatically you, you feel more defensive. Yeah. But 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 keep it real. They shooting us down without a gun. Right? Exactly. So right. Imagine right. if you have one and, and, and now you're giving these folks an excuse. It's a much nuanced conversation. I'm not one of these people that believe more guns make us safe. I think we need to limit the number of guns in our society. We need to reduce the lethality of weapons in the hands of police and the state, because that is another part of the conversation we have to balance. Will this ever happen in this country? Some say no, some say yes. I'm a peacemaker. Dr. King says it like this. We who believe in peace must learn to organize as effectively as those who believe in war. I am a peacemaker and I'm hoping all of us can become peacemakers as well. Absolutely. Um, back to just to piggyback off of what you said um, about the guns in the home and how oftentimes you see a gun in, you know, say in the house and that same gun ends up doing something that you didn't intend it to do. Um, how do you feel about that in respect to the mass killings? I understand that you said that, you know, um, it's not necessarily 
mask guns are kind of overstated sometimes, but they do happen often enough that we have to have kind of a conversation on how people are getting these guns, especially when they're not necessarily guns that they even own. Like kids are just picking up their parents' guns. Right. Um, so, so what can we do to further influence the government who seems to be doing everything that's contrary to what we want to do or what's in our best interests um, to fight this? Well, I definitely think we have to join the massive numbers of folk particularly millennials and others, adults, who are saying we need to have more common sense gun reform, more common sense gun regulation. If you are an adult and you aren't locking your weapons up in a secure place, then you need to be stripped of your right to have a gun. I hear that. Uh, there's, there are gun technologies that are now being uh, brought to scale where you can make smart guns, where uh, fingerprints actually activate the gun. So even if you take your parents' weapon, you won't be able to use it. There are all kinds of things that we can indeed continue to scale up, but we have to make every effort to, through the body, the ballot, and the book, I argue. I hear bodies, We got to activate our bodies, get them out in the street, march, protest, our ballots, we got to vote, punish those who, those elected officials who continue to sell their soul and their their campaigns in our rate and the bucks we have to do strategic boycotts and or make sure we are investing in the kind of uh, efforts that make sure lethal weapons mass uh, uh, shootings um, that are driven by weapons of war are not in everyday people's hands i think that's a part of the equation as well but let's just make sure we give it its due attention Less yeah. again than three and a half percent of the gun fatalities in this country are mass shootings. Though tragic they are, we should spend, I believe, the lion's share of our time trying to make sure we're addressing the lethality of weapons and, and deaths in our own communities. That, I think, will keep us hopeful and see material conditions change very quickly and effectively. Yeah, like we can't, we can't work on the world until we work on home. Absolutely. Or we can do both. Just make sure uh, they're both getting the due attention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you, Pastor Mike. I appreciate your time. Um, where can people reach out to you if they need some advice, especially um, on how to fight this thing? Oh, yeah, man. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Same uh, same handle, Pastor M-Y-K-M-A-C. Pastor M-Y-K-M-A-C. Pastor Mike Mack. Or you can hit me on uh, my email, M McBride at faithinaction.org. M McBride at faithinaction.org. Uh, we, 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 we out here to be a resource to everybody. So hit us up. Let's rock. Let's make some peace. It's, it's, it's our turn. It's our time. I hear that. All right. I know you up in San Francisco. You got the dubs in the finals. Oh man, all the way, baby. Every day, all day. Let's go Warriors. I hear that. Oh, man. They, they, they sweeping these boys, man. They, you know, it's, it's, it, I give LeBron much props, though. I think he he's definitely entered into the greatest of all time. I think he's cracked the top five with this this performance of this year, dragging that JV team to the NBA oh, uh, finals. Think, oh, it, it, it's right, so funny. Right. I think during during this process, you had so much support. Everyone loved you, and then you took it away. <laughs> You brought it back. You just took it back. <laughs> well, I, let, let, let me take it back. They going up against the varsity squad, though. So they, That's they, right. They ain't going to get that far. <laughs> All right, Pastor Mike, you have a good night. I appreciate your time, man. Right on. Power to the people. Bless y'all. All right, man. Have a Bless good night. You. Pastor Mike McBride. Make sure you hit him up, like he said, on his websites and um, on his social media channels. All right. Um, moving on, guys. Um, Pastor Mike, do you want to stay on for the, for the show? You got a little time? 
All right, guess he gone. <laughs> Kings and queens of tackiness. All right, so this is a category we're going to hit really quick because, um, you know what I'm saying, we had the interview. So we only have one topic. We're going to kind of mesh everything into it, all right? Um, so we have two crowns, uh, a tacky king and a tacky queen of the week. Mm. And um, we're, we're going to crown them. You guys ready? Let's go. Mm. All right. First up, um, Kanye West uh, was slammed by Aunt Nippy's cousin over a disgusting choice for an album cover depicting her bathroom. Um, this is for an album cover for Pusha T's new album called Daytona. Um, because Whitney's bathroom, which was in uh, the Beverly Hilton Hotel in Daytona, are about as far apart in the United States as you can get, literally. Um, but this is what Pusha T had to say on the Angie Martinez show about his album cover. He said, uh, he changed my artwork, talking about Kanye, at 1 a.m. 1 a.m., my phone rings. No caller ID. Kanye said, hey, yeah, I think we should change the artwork. And I like this other artwork. And so Pusha T said, now this other artwork is 85 grand. So he added that Kanye paid for the new artwork, um, saying, quote, this is what people need to see to go along with this music. Uh, Bill, what did you think about the story when you heard it? Here's honestly, I thought it was ingenious and disgusting at the same time. Like, I thought it was. You thought it was disgusting. genius. Why did you think it was genius? Because it was Pusha T's raps about drugs. Because it, well, because well, Pusha T does rap a lot about drugs, and he uses double entendres, and he insinuates things. But because it was definitely going to get the shock value that Kanye was looking for, it was definitely going to have people talking, and it was going to skyrocket this album to number one. But it was absolutely disgusting because this was the great late Nippy's uh, resting place. Like, how how could you do, like, how could you, like, how would he feel if somebody went to Donda's, uh, you know, to the, to the what? To the hospital that Donda died at and then took a picture of her laid out on that table or the table right after she died and then slapped that out there in the world was like, oh, this would be so great. Like you would be uh, never mind. You I don't know. Well, he did say he would post the picture of the doctor who performed her final. That was gonna be his yeah. album cover. Yeah, he said he would put post, that as his album see, cover. So. No, he was. He's posting that as a therapeutic method of forgiveness, is what he said. But I'm saying if somebody went and paid eighty five thousand dollars for the very table that his mother rested on, and then put it in like a. A museum was like, oh, ladies and gentlemen, to your left is the table that Don West died on. <laughs> That's disrespectful. Dex, do you think it was uh, disgusting? Do you Super think disgusting, he- distasteful. There's nothing ingenious about it. It's very disturbing. It's not cute. He should be ashamed of himself. And I'm actually really disappointed in Pusha T, too. Like, I... I, I look at it like I, right. I get it. Like you discuss drugs and stuff like that. Like that's what you're. Well, Pusha said he didn't want to fight with him, so he just let it go. No, but Jason didn't like, Pusha like, T actually know what it was. But this is the thing, though, Jason. We do this show together. If if I send you something here, post this on the page or whatever, if you know it goes against your morals and your name is going to be slapped onto this project, like I would, I would expect you to say like Dexter, no. I'm, I'm not, not Kanye. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Kanye. It doesn't matter though. Like it, I just look at it like with people when. When but something is against what you believe in, if it's a completely against your morals, your standards, you reject it. Like, regardless of who is presenting it to you, you reject it. And I feel like Pusha T is weak for not rejecting that. All right. So um, we'll go with, I'm uh, with Dex. <laughs> so Kanye so far has the tacky crown, right? For the for the yeah. for the Kings. And right, Pusha T has it, too, though. 
<laughs> All right, well, it's like a shared responsibility here. Another thing with the Kanye thing was that whole thing with Ron Fest is that Ron Fest was saying that Kanye paid $85,000 for this album cover where he couldn't even pay $5 for his own mother's charity. So um, that's another reason why people said that it was tagged that he uh, spent $85,000 on. Wait, and then he just declared bankruptcy. Wasn't he on Twitter crying for money like Tyrese? Yeah, sure was. Um, all right. Um, and other attacky news, uh, your boy Orlando Brown. <laughs> Got a new tattoo on his neck. Um, and if you look closely, it's supposed to be Raven Simone. Uh, <laughs> that's what he said. So uh, your boy got Raven Simone tatted on his neck or chest, neck, chest, nest, whatever you want to call that. Oh, that clavicle. Clavicle. <laughs> <laughs> clavicle tat. Uh, so, guys, was this uh, tackier than Kanye? What you think? No. I, no. Who drew this? But I mean, that's permanent. That's staying on there. I guess push these album covers staying on there too, huh? I mean, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> and plus, like, Kanye spent $85,000 on that. $1,000. Like, he spent $85. Me, if, he, if he spent $85 on that tattoo, like, I don't even think he spent that much on it. All right. So, uh, so we're going to keep the crown with Kanye? Got to keep it with Kanye. Got to keep it with Kanye. All right, so Kanye is the tacky king of the week. Let's kick it over to the queens. Uh, Mariah Carey quietly, reportedly uh, sold <laughs> that ring that she got to keep in her divorce settlement from her ex, James Packer, <laughs> for $2.1 million uh, to a Los head. Angeles jeweler. Dex, look at your face. What's going on? <laughs> Who's wrong with you? So people, let me, am I allowed to say this? Yeah, you said it. You know, okay. People who are listening to the podcast, you guys won't understand this. And actually, it's good that you guys won't understand this. But there's a photo that we're putting up of the ring, you know, Mariah, the ring of Mariah Carey's fingers and them fingers. Oh, I'm telling you. Mariah can tell us that she's like 40 years old, but them fingers is 60. <laughs> oh, we. Them fingers out here aging like bananas. Ooh. All right, Bill, do you think it's uh, tacky? Not so much. <laughs> she only she only wanted to keep it so she could sell it. Everybody knows that. Because she clearly ain't selling out no shows. <laughs> <laughs> they said the ring was originally worth $10 million, and uh, they... Uh, $10? And you... Uh-uh. Well, she said when she got the ring appraised, it was no longer worth the $10 million. It was only worth the Because it was on that little crusty no, That's why. It's been on those fingers. I, I think it was Tacky Mariah. And the only reason I'm saying I think it's Tacky is because she already sued him for wasting her time. So you and won. Yeah. You can't sue somebody for wasting your time, get money from them, and then keep the ring. That's Tacky Mariah. Like, like, like can't. no, you can't. <laughs> oh, Ty's back. Hey, Ty. Nice. Oh, there he is. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is he? I'm over here texting and calling him. I'm like, what the hell happened to Ty? Draw attention to him. <laughs> I had some personal matters that I had on hand over. You had to take a boo boo? No. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, so next one uh, from Mariah Carey. There was this uh, <laughs> this doctor. Wait, she gets two. She's definitely the tackiest. There's this doctor who was um, performing surgeries on people, but she was also recording herself dancing while performing these surgeries. Um, she's done at least twenty videos of herself um, <laughs> dancing with other nurses to uh, various bops in the operating room. Um, <laughs> she is currently being sued 
by uh, a couple of people, one of which, one woman of which is uh, receiving 24 hour care because of her botched surgery. Um, so guys, was it tacky for this lady, tackier for this lady to be dancing in the operating room or Mariah Carey to sell that ring? I, I don't think that's, I don't you said you don't think, think that's tacky, Todd? In the operating room is tacky. But they're dancing while she's performing surgery, like. I mean, if you lay down on sleep, knocked unconscious, you want somebody blasting a little little booty. You don't don't even know it. You sleep. (laughs) I think that's terrible. You need to be be professional and taking your job seriously. So it's not tacky. It's just terrible. I could be dead. You fooling around, dancing, acting a damn fool. Don't dance during my surgery. I will be sore. And guess what? You still gonna be dead. (laughs) I think it's probably less so if you're paying attention and not dancing around. I don't think it's tacky. I think they should. She should have gotten um, like permission from them because like this could be like something like cool, something fun. Like, Who's gonna give you permission to record Instagram videos? Um, Doctor Miami does that. Like Doctor Miami dances around and has fun in videos, and he gets permission before he does it. Yeah, but them hoes they knocked out. Um, have dead on the table. They are. Yes, like, they are. Yes, they are. Like, a lot yeah. of times they get like these surgical procedures. They're out cold. Have you not seen these videos? I haven't. I don't that, care how back old, Miami, not dancing. Them girls be worn out. So you they think that you think they just uh, picking on this doctor and when Dr. Miami does it all the time? No, I think this doctor didn't get consent. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get consent before you do that. So maybe she got it from Dr. Miami. Maybe that could be like her defense in court. Yeah, but then Dr. Miami say, Well, I get consent. <laughs> they gonna pull him up in the stand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and Bill's favorite story of the week. Um come on, <laughs> listen. Come on, this story bless me. Okay, Tina Shea, who once me. who once uh, talked in an interview about um, looking. Remember, she looked at toilet in that little photo shoot. You remember, remember that photo shoot she did when she looked at that little miniature toilet. Mm-hmm. Y'all forgot that? You forgot about that? Yeah. <laughs> and, Rightfully and, and, so. Bill, remember, she said she ain't want to be um, working in no mall no more. And she's <laughs> <laughs> well to ensure that she wasn't going to work in the mall. She was um, calling the paparazzi in advance. To catch her out and about with uh, Ben boyfriend, NBA rookie for the Philadelphia 76ers, Ben Simmons. So um, Ben reportedly broke it off with her. Um, and the source says that she was a quote unquote attempting to play the Gabrielle Union. <laughs> That's not what the source the initially Union. said. What the source said? <laughs> it said she was trying to be Kim Kardashian. That's what it said. Yeah, she, she was playing the, the Kardashian. Kardashian. Yeah, she called the Kardashian and called the paparazzi. Come on. And he got to go. She got to go. Uh, Ty, is the tacky to call the paparazzi um, <laughs> before you arrive somewhere to have them waiting for you? No, you gotta just gotta do it this game. <laughs> <laughs> Niggas gotta eat. Yeah, <laughs> she ain't hurt nobody. I don't care about that. Is the tacky that can call the paparazzi? We stepping out, out and about? I will call the paparazzi. I'm going out if they will come. <laughs> Listen, you need some good pictures. <laughs> I'll be having some nice outfits. Me and Nicole be looking nice. I would call the paparazzi. Look, come through. But they would come for me. If they come for her, you know, more power to her. Need, need, IG. need some IG like sex. Would you do it? Um, I want to say in a heartbeat. I want to say that I would, but I just feel like that's like so like early 2000s like that's kind of tacky to do now like i like at this point now like they should be seeking you and if you're still calling them like you just ain't it like, like I, is there like one number for all the paparazzi say, like who is the number like what number What's do the you number? For you know, crazy enough, i was watching an episode of one-on-one where they did this exact thing so i 
after I saw that episode where um, what's her name, Jackie Harry was on there like she was supposed to be famous and she was calling the paparazzi. I don't know if you guys watched that show one on one. Is that on Calipratt? That one on one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That show. I don't say like, do you guys watch that show one on one? Like it's like, like it's still on. On the UPN. Right, but like this show's like been up there for 10 years. You're ruining my point. My point was ever since I saw that show, I assumed that that was common practice for stars who were like sort of washed up, but not quite there yet. Where you want to make sure you're you're being seen and you start doing crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or, the, or you go to places where you know paparazzi are. Like, but there's I mean, people know, like you know who who to call. Like you, there's there's different companies that do it, you know which company yeah, to yeah. call. But I just feel like that's so like tag I mean, that is tacky. It's like you're like a loser if you do that. Are we ready to remove the crown from Mariah's head? No. <laughs> 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 Bill, you Stunty. think uh, you think Tinashe better get better applaud something at the mall? Is her time coming back? Uh, listen, she been. I think the problem is she was calling them because she had already put in the application. And ain't nobody calling back. <laughs> <laughs> she needs <laughs> needs some picks. Because quiet as kept, she probably was on tour to open for Mariah and then <laughs> sold that ring. Does she have a famous song that I can recall? I can't think. Two of on, no. Tinashe, two on. No. I love to get two. Oh, yeah. So the answer to your question ties no. That wasn't a hit. What do you mean? And she's actually very talented too. Her voice is like beautiful. Okay. So Kanye is the tacky king and Mariah is the tacky queen. Time for a little segment we like to call racist. Um, Roseanne, as we all know, uh, spoke out this morning (laughs) and gave her opinions. Uh, She was talking about um, Valerie Jarrett, who is a former Obama advisor. And she said Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby and that equals BJ talking about Valerie Jarrett. Um, She immediately got some responses to that and said, I apologize. I am now leaving Twitter. And she also released the following apology. I apologize to Valerie Jarrett and to all Americans. I am truly sorry for making a bad joke about her politics and her looks. I should have known better. Forgive me, my joke was in bad taste, but that wasn't enough. She tried to stave off her cancellation. Wanda Sykes um, decided to take to Twitter and she was the first one to say, I will not be coming back to this damn show. So you can kiss my ass, Roseanne. (laughs) Um, And and that's probably just how she said it. (laughs) 100%. And ABC followed suit. Um, canceling the show, um, much to our chagrin, um, after her racist tweets surfaced. (laughs) Um, They asked a White House press secretary, uh, Sarah uh, Huckabee Sanders, um, about uh, Donald Trump's feelings on Roseanne's cancellation. And she said, quote, the president has been extremely focused as I just walked through the things going on with the upcoming summit. And she said, quote, he's focused on North Korea. He's focused on trade deals. He focused on rebuilding our military, the economy. And that's what he's spending his time on, not responding to other things. He um, plans on watching reruns of Roseanne while eating his classic double fish filet meal with a Coke um, on Air Force One later tonight <laughs> so was what Roseanne said does that make her racist or did she just say something that was uh, racially sensitive Roseanne has historically been known as a racist I don't know why this is like a surprise to people but like we want to like Roseanne so bad like we really who we have black people have been wanting to like Roseanne since the show ended the first time like we, we wanted to 
Seriously. Yeah. I I would agree with that. Like, I didn't watch the show initially, and I just learned this past weekend that my mom actually watched the original Roseanne. And, like, I've been watching it. Like, my girlfriend and I actually talk about this show and, like, how good it is and how we enjoy it. And, like... When the show first came out and it said like Donald Trump like called Roseanne or tweeted her, like I was like, oh, that's a little weird or whatever. But after seeing this, it's like I feel I feel kind of stupid in a sense because I'm always like, I don't I don't need to to be friends someone who's racist. And I like I'm against that kind of stuff. Like it's not cute, it's not cool to me. But like I really feel like I was fooled with this. And like it's one of those situations where if a person is genuine, when a person shows you who they are, you absolutely have to believe them. Like she has shown us time and time again that this is who she is. This is what she subscribes to. Like she's a racist woman. And at this point, like there's no room for it. And again, like I'm ashamed of myself for even like enjoying the show. I mean, great. I don't necessarily think that everyone on the show um, is racist and all that kind of stuff like that. But I do feel like the title character clearly shows herself as a, as a racist. And uh, ABC said that they it's really impossible to do Roseanne without Roseanne. So instead of just firing firing her, they had to cancel the whole show. They fired everybody. Um, if I'm the cast, though, of the show, like you have to see these hands. Absolutely. And you got to see this lawsuit. They tried to distance themselves from her, but I'm like, at this point, like your your shit is connected to her. So if she's sinking, so are you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but the only thing that you can kind of do in this situation is kind of um like just say that this is not me and I don't agree. So I mean I don't agree and hope that ABC picks me up on another show. (laughs) But you can't really say like you can't really like what's more important though, like your morals or money. Exactly. Uh, A mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Starbucks has reportedly h- hired Steve Harvey. Oh, sorry, this is common. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Why are you looking like that? What is this 1980s Ron Jeremy porn stash he has? Like, what is this? <laughs> but they will. Um, the Starbucks closed. This was the day uh, that Starbucks was reportedly closing. Uh, 8,000 of their stores, and they will be playing a video of anti-bias training um, really featuring Common. Guys, uh, Common is a friend of Starbucks owner Howard Schultz, and in 2017, Howard listed Common as one of his favorite artists, explaining, I have been so impressed with his level of commitment to race relations, humanity, and certainly Opportunity Youth, which is an organization that uh, Starbucks uh, founds. Um, He is a very humble person who just wants to elevate the national conversation by using his music and his poetry. Guys, was Common a good pick to lead uh, the Starbucks reclamation project, in your opinion? I think so. I think it makes sense. Like for, I, I think it makes sense for for him for Common and his brand. Like this is this kind of seems like something that he would be into. And I think Common couldn't speak to race relations. I just I don't necessarily. I'll give Starbucks credit for trying. I think it's it's great that they're trying to do this. I think it's great that they actually reached out to an African American person to try to like do this. And like one that black people actually like. Yeah, I'll come in. Yeah, an African American that's actually like, like knowledgeable and notable too. Like it's not just it's not Ben Carson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because like sometimes people try it with stuff like this, and they reach out to like black people, but it's like black people that we don't like as black people, right? Like so, it was like almost a slap in the face. 
but at least we like comic. Everybody likes. Is there anyone who dislikes comic? Uh, Ice didn't he get in a few with Ice Cube back in the day or something like that? Serena Williams probably don't like him no more. Mm-hmm. Venus <laughs> <laughs> apparently, all his exes like really like him. Like even Angela Rye, um, since they broke up, she's been glowing about uh about Common. So shout out to Common. I mean, look, de- um, uh, Bill, what you think? I know they, like they should have put a ring I, on. I I feel like number one, he backdated this statement. Like, this wasn't a statement in 2017. He just put it out there and said it happened in 2017. And I mean, common, uh, but we could have done a little better. Like, I don't know. Who did you want, Oprah? Davis. No, Angela Davis. Angela Davis is like 85 years old. Like, she's not teaching. Yep. Yeah. But, I mean, she's still teaching at, what, USC or UCLA? I mean, she's still teaching. Yeah, but don't you so, think it should be somebody that's current that, like, young people right now could be like, oh, I know who that is as well? Young white people definitely don't know who Angela Davis is. So um, They absolutely do because their parents talked about it at Woodstock. They absolutely know. Yeah, right. I barely know who Angela Davis is. Exactly. Uh, well, <laughs> we do we, young white people. I don't see like it, it wasn't like one of those slap in the face choices. Like they, no, you can it certainly it, wasn't Ben Carson. Like, like it doesn't matter who it is. Like as long as the, the choice isn't shady, like a Ben Carson or like Steve Harvey. Like we don't want any of those people. This <laughs> common AK Steve Harvey. You guys like this mustache that he's got going on? Look, I, I hate that. That is scary. I think if you're a man and you can grow hair, you should go for it. <laughs> and no matter where, like you know, what it looks like, geez. go for it. Don't if, if it looks like you drive the windowless van. Oh, well, like, oh well. Look, at, in a couple years, he won't be able to grow it. So go for it, bro. <laughs> grow you for think, it, bro. You think his beard <laughs> stopped connecting after a while, and that's why he shaved Stop it up? Connecting one side grows longer than the other side. You get these little patches. If you can grow it, grow it. <laughs> Dex, you know you can get them hair implants. You know, you already know I got a consultation, so don't worry about that. <laughs> 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 Time for Q and A, brother Ty. Um, I kind of like the bar look, Dex. To be honest with you, on I you. like it too. You look good, Dex. Good look. On I you, want, I, I don't want y'all. This time for Q and A. This is the part where you guys, you know, we answer your questions, and um, I take this part very seriously because people really call us, not call us, write us seeking advice, and I think we should try our best to give um, sound advice that these people can use. All right, so topic one, I'm trying to be helpful. Um, that's that's William's thing, trying to be helpful all the time. We appreciate it. I'm just trying to help Ike. Topic number two, trying to help Ike. <laughs> <laughs> um, part-time zoned. I like that. That one's interesting. I like friend zoned, part-time zoned. <laughs> I like I like broke boys. Can we please do that one? It seems good. <laughs> topic three, 30th birthday, and topic four, um, broke boys. So I see you guys can pick their they're kind of equal. Broke boys. Broke boys for five hundred. Here we go, Alex. <laughs> I met a man online. Um he lives in NYC and I live in LA. He's a professor, author, and film critic. Oh, anyway, for over a month, start back from anyway. <laughs> anyway, 
for over a month, we developed a lovely relationship with daily emails and phone calls, and we made plans to visit. He then mentioned that he was having financial problems and couldn't buy me a ticket to meet him, and I didn't offer to pay. Smart. Uh, he again alluded to money problems and disappointment because a work project was canceled. My last boyfriend and I broke up because of money issues, him, him borrowing money and never paying it back. Um, should I get away from this new guy now or give him a chance to screw me over? <laughs> Shit. First of all, I want to give some advice to you guys. Will Jason the time. Oh, what? When we go through these questions and Dexter <laughs> says, let's do that one, let's not do that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what pisses me off the most about this? I, I really feel like we should spend a little time on this one so we can do another one. What really pisses me off about this Jesus, is that, these people write into us. Like, they have yeah. feelings. Yeah. Oh, you know what pisses me off about this? This girl is basically saying that this guy has financial issues <laughs> and he's going to screw her over, right? But when they were talking about visiting, did you, did anybody else catch what she said? She said, I didn't know what I'm she said, his she said, he, he, wait, he wasn't going to buy her a ticket and then she didn't offer to pay for his ticket. So that means you weren't even going to buy yourself a ticket to go see this man. Case closed. Let's move on. Like you weren't even going to put money out, but you're mad because he's not putting money out. She's not mad. She's just worried. Okay. Hashtag I'm with him. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll be worried. Let's go. I'm um, with that. I think she. I think she. I think if money issues are your problem, I don't think you should step into a situation knowing that there are already money issues. So and if, if that's you have money issues with yourself, I don't know. Who knows? Here's my question: money. What do you do for a living? Because you, you didn't. You, you talk about well, he's a professor and he's an author and a film critic. And a film critic. What do you do to rake in the? Those course? all sound like part-time jobs, though. That's what they all sound like. Free life, right? <laughs> Emphasis on the free. A film critic. <laughs> <laughs> but look, she had enough money to loan out her last boyfriend some money and she didn't get paid back. So but look, she didn't have enough money to buy her ticket to come see this guy in New York. She don't want to invest in somebody that ain't got yeah. no money. I don't blame and her. If that's the situation the that you way. were already in, I wouldn't go back into it. So that's my advice. Don't Listen, do it. Yeah, don't 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 repeat. If you're uncomfortable with it, stop it wait while you're while you're at while you're ahead. Um anyway, what we say, topic two, part time though. That's the one you want to do part time zone? Yeah, why not? All right. This is uh, an employment question for Ty because he's like the employment master. <laughs> you should be feeling really like a manager, Ty. <laughs> I am a manager. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I worked as a part time employee for more than eight years. Oh, oh. I think we've seen enough. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> I've been passed over for full-time um, positions four times. Aww. And the last time, all of my colleagues told me that he felt that he felt guilty and terrible that I was not selected. And while they spent Some their benefits. I was screwed over. <laughs> over the years, I've noticed my supervisor expressed a number of racial microaggressions. I, I am not white. If I, sorry, if I went to his bosses, it wouldn't, sorry, it would be obvious it was me. Um, and I fear retaliation, but my employment options are severely limited in my field and city, and I'm not in a position to move. I'm at a loss. Let uh, me tell you something. You are not, let me tell you something. You only at a loss because you decide you're at a loss. Uh, like, 
Even in your loss, you <laughs> hello, you need to decide that it's victory. Like you already had a loss. You spent eight years of your life as a part-time employee. No that benefits. is already a loss. No, not nary a benefit. And people have passed you over time and time again. If the door is not being opened, build you another door and kick it open. If nobody is bringing you to the table, pull up a chair. Like, if you're not at the table, you on the menu. Get All off right. of the menu and be at the table. I don't know. I feel like that, what Will is saying, is, is nice. But I, I feel like what Will is saying is cool. But, like, I, I genuinely don't think that applies to this situation. Like, I think... <laughs> I mean, I really think this person is at a loss. I mean, you're not going to stay at a place for eight years because, um, you know, having medical benefits is is a requirement now. Like you have to have that. And you ha- and that's been in. in well, that was in, only that's about a year. Yeah. So you've you had you have to have that, which means you're getting that from the government. You have to be getting that from the government because you're not getting that as a part time employee. And I look at situations like that. It's just like I would look at it like this isn't worth my time. Like. I should be able to get this from my employer. And if I'm not, I have to move on. I, I'm really curious to know what your field is. And a lot of people who are in my field, they do this. They do this part-time work because they really want to be in the field. But I, I would strongly encourage you, and this is assuming you're in the same field as me, I would strongly encourage you to do something on your own outside of work and to, to progress yourself up and to continue building up your skills, but find you a full-time job. This is not going to it's not going to work for you. And if you know overall that there's opportunities elsewhere, save your money from your full time job and move from that. But do I mean, not right. job because regardless, what's the working age in most states? 16. So let's just say the working age is 16. You've been at the bare minimum. Let's say she's been working since she was 16 or he was working since he was 16. So eight years plus that you're 24. There's no re- no reason why you should be a 25 year old person. And you have not had a full time job yet. Like that's not that's unfair to you. I, I disagree with that. What do you mean? That that's unfair to you. There should be a point in your life where you're <clears throat> 25 and you should say, I've at least had something that I can rely on day in and day out to support myself. The reason I say I disagree with that is because I do feel like there are people who are doing things outside of just working their regular nine to five and they have to do a part-time job. Like in LA, there's a bunch of people who no, are waiting. I feel you, but you have to have more multiple streams of income. Then you can't just be working one part-time job. Oh, of, course. of course, I agree with that. Yeah, you can't just be working one part-time job and getting by. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, my opinion here, I'm sorry, what was that? No, 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 go, go, Ty. Um, my opinion here is like, for me, I just don't put up with anything that I think. <laughs> we all know. <laughs> that I think is not acceptable. Like, I don't put up with anything. Like, I, no one crosses me unheard. Like, I'm not <laughs> about anything. So, if I feel like that's what's going on, then I'm going to tell you about yourself. I'm going to tell whoever needs to be spoken to about what happened. And I'm also going to be looking for other jobs. I could imagine staying at the same job for eight years and not being um, held to the highest level of respect. And I, I think you deserve that. I don't see why you think you have to put up with that just to be in a certain field. But sometimes you can bounce in something and bounce out of something and bounce back in and later use that experience as your part-time job. But like Dexter said, you need to find something else to do to support yourself. You need to, even if it's not in your field, you still have that experience while you're looking for other things. Like this is just an I'm telling you. It is not okay for you to limit yourself this way. 
um, to not only feel disrespected at your job, but I'm sure to be limited financially in what you're able to do. Like this just is not going to work. And I think that you need to consider, highly consider moving on and tell you at the same time. Cool. Tell uh, after that. You want to get a new job first, then tell. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our hearts and minds clear. We get on this one. Amen. Yeah. All right. For more questions, you can hit us up on our website, brotalklive.com slash questions. Time for just a time, just time, just a time. Um, guys, Pusha T and Drake have been going back and forth um, over the past week. Pusha T just released uh, a new disc record today. Did you guys hear that yet? No, no, I didn't get a chance to. It came out like maybe an hour before the show started. So yeah, I, I heard it. That's I, why. I, didn't, I didn't care for it. Much. I thought it was, I mean, I understand rap beef goes there sometimes. But I feel like this like kind of went a little... Like yeah, it was, like, it was very family focused, and I feel like that's kind of unfair. Yeah, he's um, talking about he's talking about Drake um having a, a child that he doesn't know about or the porn star. Yeah, then he talked about like Drake's mom never being married. Then he talks about um Drake's dad walking out on when he was five. Down, Drake getting his body done. Like I, I just I, for me, I didn't wait, like. Dr- wait, 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 wait. Drake getting his body done. <laughs> Why was that the one part that you guys all want to hear more about? Like that. What, is, what do you mean? I mean, you know how people like throw diss and stuff like that out. Like, I don't. I, don't like, like, what are you talking about? I think it's. A, I think it's dumb. I really think Pusha lost this one. To be honest with you, I think I Infrared like was what, good. I think Infrared I feel like he was doing, doing it to. Um, I mean, and I'm not saying that. Kanye told him to do this, or I'm not. I'm not trying to put Kanye in this. Kanye ain't talking about nobody's body. I know <laughs> exactly since he just got like him. But I'm saying that. Um, wait, 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 you know, more publicity for the album because it wasn't literally before before that picture came out. No one was checking for Pusha T's album, honestly. Um, but and I'm a Pusha T fan. But um, and then he had the the Drake diss that Infrared record was the last song on that album. So clearly he's trying to create some type of buzz. I don't know if he's reaching too hard or if this was all calculated and stuff like that. And, you know, he he came ready. You know, what I'm saying he had all these songs already recorded and stuff like that. Or you know, he had all the stuff that he wanted to say in his head already but it seems kind of corny when you come after people's families i don't know though because when tupac was like first but, off but like well but faith how, in like, the game. Well, how long ago was that though but like, and faith was an artist in the game like she's not like some random porn star like she's not some some retired porn yeah. star that's just trying to get paid by having drake's baby like she's minding her own business yeah, right. faith was in the game you were right. faith was all up in the picture and, but the thing is, even even back then, like that wasn't cool. That's just people just didn't know better. People now know better. It was childish back then, yeah, definitely childish. All right, um, but yeah, sorry, that was a whole conversation that didn't need to happen because we're doing just a time. Uh, <laughs> about rap beefs. <laughs> Damn, that conversation went way farther than we wanted. But now you know how we feel. <laughs> All right. Really? All right, so instant reaction to some of these rap beasts, and then we're going to rank them. Um, Nas versus Jay Z. I just great. Uh, Dex, what's your word to describe it? Um, I okay. I, I don't know. I don't know about this. <laughs> that was before Drake, so yeah, I guess it doesn't count. <laughs> All right, Biggie Tupac. Do you know about this one, Dex? Epic. Bloodbath. Bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> They're both dead. Like it didn't work out. <laughs> unsolved. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> Two unsolved murders. Like, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> never be that serious. 
Both of these people should be able to live right now to look back on it and, and do a song together and move on like, like Nas and Jay-Z did. Like, it should not have gone this far. <laughs> Niggas said love that. All right. Um, Drake versus Meek Mill. Meek. Who? <laughs> Short-lived. I'm a fan of Meek Mill, but that response, record... Like, I fell on the floor laughing when I heard it. It was so bad. But I was screaming. Lil Wayne versus Pusha T. That was back Lil Wayne. That was when Lil Wayne said F Pusha T and everyone who love him. Remember that? I don't that remember happened. that. That, that happened. happened. That happened. That's what precipitated the Pusha T Drake beef. Was uh, how long was that? Keep the it. More, the more you know. This is about 2008, 2009, mm. maybe. And how that, how that, I don't, wait, what? I think Lil Wayne just ignored him and it went away. Uh, 50 Cent versus Ja Rule. I'm sad about that one. So no, sad about that one. Why he sad? He just ruined Ja Rule. He ruined Ja Rule's career. And Ja Rule was really, really like making great music. It's funny though. It's funny though that you bring this up because I was talking to someone over the past weekend and I think that 50 Cent is the reason that we're in the predicament that we are in now with all like the littles and the, the pumps and all these other guys. I think 50 and Cent... terrible ass music. Yeah, I think 50 Cent was the start of that. Like 50 Cent is the first rapper that ever came out that was That like, was trash. That was, that <laughs> was like street and like thug and stuff like that, but he was also like garbage like not trash like bad singer but like his stuff was like it was it was pop music it like, wasn't he was a good really, like and a lot of people overrate 50 just because of his street cred but yes 50 Cent and, and is I, not I, a great I, rapper but he let 50 Cent creep in and like now we're dealing with what we're dealing with because even look at 50 Cent now he's totally different than who he was when we first met him like he's a joke now and he's like, a he, joke but he's always been a joke he's always been an idiot and he introduced us to the game. And I feel like all this stuff that's happening right now is because we left 50 Cent in Jarul's career. All right, yeah, last but not least, uh, Nicki Minaj versus Remy Ma. I don't know why, but the first thing that comes to mind is like leaky implants. I do not know why, but that's oh my God. what comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say, Ty, what was your word? It was a waste. Like, who cares about that? Okay. And Bill? A waste? Uh, again, I'm with Dex tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so let's let's eliminate one from the from the six. Let's make it a top five. Look at Minaj the, and the little Wayne and Push T can go. And little Wayne and Push T definitely, definitely can go. That. All right, so now let's rank them. Um, top five. Number, number one, I would say big is Big and Tupac. Yeah. Big and two. All right, number, number two, two, I would say Nas, is and, Jay-Z. Nas and Jay-Z. I think 50 Cent and Ja Rule is worse than that because that ruined careers and lives. That is uh, true. Yeah. It did. They ruined a career. No careers were ruined between Nas and Jay-Z. They just both kept petting along. That's a good but point. Nas and Jay-Z are right after that, though. I'm with you, Dex. I All stand right. with Dexter. So, uh, <laughs> Biggie versus Tupac, number one. 50 Cent Ja Rule, number two. Nas versus Jay-Z, number three. And I think we're good right there. The other two just right. stay. Can we right delete those are? two? Can we delete <laughs> no. those two? I don't think we need to go any further. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There we go. It's settled. <laughs> <laughs> All right, speaking of not going any further, it is time for Dex is BS Report. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I'll keep it short today because, you know, running out of time. <laughs> but there is a student actually who listed their high school on Craigslist. The guy is in a lot of trouble right now. Why? School officials are really trying to figure out why he would try to pull this prank, but he did. And it's um, it's one of those senior, senior pranks that a lot of people. He listed um, it on Craigslist. Like he tried to sell it? Yeah, he tried to sell the school. 
Okay. But why are people mad? Like, you can't actually sell it. So why are people mad? Well, he was getting bids on it, and then the school was actually upset because they thought that this was, like, not cool. It's not funny. Like, you shouldn't be doing stuff like that. They were a little upset. Remember that show Remember that um, show on MTV, High School Pranks, uh, Scandals and Controversies? No. They, no. That was a show that came on. It used to chronicle like people's high school pranks that they did. It was a great show. It used to come back. It, it's only a prank if you ain't in the school district of Philadelphia because they sell the schools left and right. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a nigga at school in an apartment building the other day. I'm like, what happened to the school? They, they didn't do one down level it around the corner. They was living in luxury lofts in somebody's school. I'm like, what, what, what happened? I'm going to throw okay. a clip of that show up on the throwback Thursday. Sorry, go ahead. I have one more story. If you guys are in the Vegas area or planning to be in the Vegas area this this weekend, you guys could actually be a part of the world's largest orgy. Menage Us is an organization oh, who is trying to compete with China, <laughs> compete with China, Japan, I'm sorry, who currently holds the records for the world's largest orgy, and they are taking couples. Swingers, if you're a swinger, you bring you and your husband or wife. It's $200 for entry. Entry. <laughs> if you're a single person, <laughs> if you're a single person, um, it's twenty five dollars for females. No word on how much it is for males to enter this or this orgy. Ninety five dollars, probably. A whole lot. <laughs> if you guys are interested, definitely um head over to the website menageus.com. Head over. Book, book your flight. And head head over. <laughs> Book your book your flight. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been Dex's BS report for the week. That was crafty. I'm I like unable. it. Good job, Dex. <laughs> the only show in the world you'll hear sex jokes after an interview with the pastor early in the show. All right, time for <laughs> seats. <laughs> yes, Bill? it is now time for the section of the show where we seat the people that have tried us the most. Fellas, Speaking of seats, hold on. Did y'all see, um, did y'all see uh, Solo yet? Not no! I missed that. No, I'm going to see it this weekend. Either. Did you see Deadpool 2? I saw that one. No, I missed that nope. too. Yeah, we, we, we gotta go to the movies. Know, well, this weekend, I'm finally free a weekend. Me too. Doesn't Drake have a song called Finally Free? Me and Will keep it. Jealous. Oh, so just. Please. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's for anyone to hang with William but him. Oh, yeah. You know that. <laughs> they be getting their makeup dates. And they little mall trips. <laughs> no, that's Dex. Uh, them and them white women be getting him too. <laughs> they ask him if he wants that box cartel. <laughs> that woman's gonna sell him blue. Like, what's yeah. up? Yeah, we'll pick you up. <laughs> Give that Azalea Banks treatment. <laughs> that bleach and chicken. He gonna say, y'all, he gonna say, oh, do tell me more about that. <laughs> I am a salesperson. I am a salesperson. If I am in the mall and people are trying to sell, I do, I do entertain She's them. She's selling him it. new skin. She's selling him new skin. I listen to what they say. I like to indulge people. I really like to help people out and make them think that they're doing a good job. I am buying it. She's going to tell them, it'll be a little blotchy at first, but if you just smooth it out, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, uh, who's got a seat? I do. Go ahead. For y'all three. <laughs> so <laughs> this past weekend, I, I took a trip to Atlantic City. I, even when I was younger, I never go to Atlantic City. But there was like a show that I went that I was going to. So I, I went down to Atlantic City. So like before the show, we went to a restaurant to have um, lunch. It's a, it's a Mexican restaurant. So we're there or whatever, right? We sit down. And like, we're waiting for like 10 minutes before anybody comes over. Then the guy comes over and he's like, 
no, the guy was walking past. He was like, oh, can you send our waiter over? The guy was like, who's your waiter? We were like, we don't know. No one's ever come over. He's like, oh, well, he'll be over soon. And just walked away. Another 10 minutes go by. And we're like, to this woman, like, hello, like, what's going Like, come on. Like, we're on the boardwalk. We can't really go anywhere else. Like, we need, come on, let's go. So the guy comes over or whatever, and he's like, okay, what y'all want? I said, <laughs> he's like, oh, what, what y'all want? <laughs> So we order our food or whatever, and then he comes y'all, over. And y'all order? Yeah, like, it was one of those situations where, like, the show starts at 7. It is now 6 o'clock. You, you don't have, like, you don't have time to like, go wait in another line. Like, this is it. Like, we have to eat here. Otherwise, we're not eating until the show goes off. So we're sitting there. We're waiting and stuff like that. The guy, it takes, like, 30 minutes for the food to come. Like, it was it was literally ridiculous or whatever. Then the guy, he kept coming. He never came back over to fill our waters up or anything like that. And then when it was time for us to pay, he's we were like, oh, well, you know, can you, like, split the checks with a couple of different people? He said, well, y'all should have that at, at the beginning. Oh, girl, I, I, I that you should have called me. I would have went <laughs> off. Dropped the, the, the thing down and just walked away. Guys, I... Have never been more tempted to walk out of a door without. Oh, he walked away from me. I would walked away from his ass in my too. life. But I will say, and like I'm not bragging about this. I am not bragging. Please don't think I'm bragging. And I've never done this before. But I literally did not leave this man a tip, and I pulled oh, out girl. seventeen Way to live on the edge. And I pulled out seventeen pennies to pay him exact change, <laughs> and I felt. So good about myself. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You feel like a white I woman? Have, I felt like I have the best person. Like, I felt so good about it. Like, why would I have 17 pennies? I felt amazing doing Jason. that. <laughs> Jason, can, Jason can, you, can, you, can you see Dex now pulling out a blonde bob and going to the front of his name, Karen? <laughs> Throwing it on his head like the episode of Atlanta. <laughs> I will tell you though, I'm a little pissed because I don't know the name of the restaurant, so I couldn't tweet them like you know how I always do. So I couldn't write a letter or nothing like that. But Dex, you need boy. to call, text the people you was with, and then forward me the name so I can call and go off on your behalf and have send you some coin. Because right, out of order, that, I would have gone. I had off. a couple of seats. I'm gonna piggyback on Dex's um, first one um, about service. Why do why is, is it just me or does it seem like? Black people oftentimes give other black people less service than they do white people. And that pisses me off. Like you're super like I was I was literally walking through a store and someone literally asked to help. They said, hey, they said, hi, sir. How are you today to a white person? And literally I walked right beside the white person. Not a cricket to me. Not a cricket. He walked past me twice, went over to speak to the white person after speaking, after not speaking to me. I just don't understand why us as as black people sometimes feel like we don't deserve the same uh, service or level of, of attention as other people. Um, so I, I just don't get it. And I think it's really childish. Secondly, um, I'm going to give a second seat to uh, Travelodge Hotels. Uh, my grandparents were, <laughs> what'd you say? Again? Oh, did I give one last time? Yeah, like you. Oh damn! Yeah, last time. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I forgot I had gave that. I thought this was. Oh, team. I thought they tried you again. No, they didn't try me again. But I forgot I had given the last time. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that I was still remembering that y'all pissed me off and y'all got me effed up. I'm not the one. All right, moving on. Well, since we on that, let me give a seat again to the man that worked in that raggedy Michael Kors store on Rodeo Drive. That <laughs> six years ago, he swiped so your coat. Long ago. Six Wait, what years ago, so white Michael. So we in. So I get off the plane. You know, we're racing around. I don't know around the road day you'll drive. 
I'm gonna tell you, Dex. Don't you worry. Your pretty little head. Dex, we just a shopping. times. We go to the Versace store and we order scarves and we in the Hermes store Gosh. and we, you know, we're <laughs> trallying about. We go to the Chanel store and get a few. And then we had the nerve to walk into Michael Kors. Number one, you were not on the level of anything else but regular cotton draws. Y'all don't make nothing that decent. Now, me and my Versace jacket, Jason and Christina, waltzes on in there. We looking, looking. And the man happens to walk over to me and says, oh, excuse me, sir. Is that an authentic Versace jacket? I answer, yes, because it is. And then he turns around and walks away and he goes to the counter. I glance at Jason and Christina because I already knew what it was. This fool comes back and swipes my jacket to see if it was real. When and when he swiped his hand and went right down the back of his coat and went like, right down the back he was like mm, it is and I proceeded to lose it before Jason and Christina drugged me out of that store <laughs> like they dr- literally drugged me out of there because I was going to let him have it I have another you seat that I want to get real quick uh, so my as, as we all know um, since you all didn't attend my 30th birthday was this past weekend um, <laughs> it, it wasn't this past weekend, it was the weekend before. Well, whatever. Um, it was then. <laughs> and you also didn't attend mine. You wanted to be worried about having a baby. I forgot so. you turned 30. My bad. You didn't attend mine either. So if we want to go there, like we all turned 30. Like you're the only person that turned 30 and had a party? <laughs> no, you're not. Look, y'all barely attended each other. Y'all live in the same damn city. So I don't want to hear it. Absolutely at Ty's birthday party, Ty's swimming party in December. I was absolutely there in <laughs> swimming trunks. Five trunk. minutes and then you left. Two minutes. In swimming trunks. I was there. <laughs> For five minutes and then you left. Um, Jay, yeah, where were you? Stop being nasty. My third birthday was this week. <laughs> And um, I had a 90s party and uh, <laughs> and it was quite the extravagance. I had a great time and everything. Extravaganza. Uh, yeah, you know, and my wife, you know, she got the cake pre-ordered and everything. She put her little design on it and everything. And so they <laughs> they made the cake and this is what it looks like. So here goes my seat to um, the makers of my cake. <laughs> <laughs> that was my seat goes to your wife for paying for that. Mm-hmm. She didn't pay for it. They gave it to her for free because the oh, manager absolutely. saw it and the manager said, who did that? The said, who did that? What the hell? I, t- I tell you, I still would have walked away with a better cake than that. They done kept that one. They should have said, like, this is how you would have wrote it in the 90s. They, I would have played that off. They don't that's, know how to sell. That's, that's what that. my mother-in-law said. She said, well, everyone's in dr- on drugs in the 90s, so I guess it fits. <laughs> 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 if you can't see it, the cake is really bad. You should check out the episode um, on the stream if, you, if you're listening on the podcast. It's just the I Heart 90s. Oh and it says, happy birthday, Jason. And then the Jason's all crumpled up over there in the corner. <laughs> First of all, why is it so crooked? Like, <laughs> it's crooked as hell. It is time. It's not centered in any way, shape, or form. It, they tr- it looked like they were r- running out of room on the paper. They were trying to scrunch all them letters in there. Scrunch them all together. <laughs> really bad. So, yeah, that was my cake for my 30th birthday party. <laughs> Shout out to Sam's Club for making excellent cakes um, and giving them to us for free. We Speaking of cake, it. I still have a piece of wedding cake in my freezer if anybody wants that. Whew. All right. So, I saved. <laughs> any more seats to give? We good? Um, t- um, viewers want to know, Ty, if you're wearing a bad boy vest. Oh yeah, I forgot to I forgot to ask you that, Ty. A bad boy vest? Yeah. Yeah. Like bad boys for life. 
No, this is a gym church. I think the gym might have. Oh, Todd, like, because at first they said it, and I said, is he? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a. Um, an exercise shirt. I didn't have time to change. I oh, it do look like kind of like a vest from the front. Though. Oh, yes, it does kind of look like a vest. It look like a one twelve vest or something like that. Or like the one. Uh, this is not a vest. The rock used to wear. Uh, I love the rock. I Getting freaky and I pretty limousine. How are they looking like Case? Looking like you're the I'll be missing you video. Does it look like a vest? It does look like a vest to me. It does look like a vest. I'm going to wear like Will Smith in the actual Bad Boys 2 movie. I'm going to F for you. Reggie. F is Reggie. Usually I'm like not dressed at all. <laughs> That's true. Don't forget, uh, like, continue to subscribe. Thanks, everybody, for subscribing on um, Apple Podcasts. Continue to do that. We appreciate it. Tell a friend about the show and comment below. Um, we appreciate all comments, and we will take them into consideration. I can't uh, promise that we will listen to you, but we will take them into consideration. Rosalglive.com, right on the mark. Do you guys have uh, any final questions, comments, concerns, shout-outs? Again, another shout out to all the public league kids who are going to Division One schools at the end of the year. Congratulations on your scholarships, guys. Um, shout out to everyone who supports the show and supports me personally. Um, last week, I had an opportunity to do Mina Say What's podcast, Mina's House, which is up on Apple iTunes. And also tomorrow, I'll be on Petty and the Millennials. Make sure you guys check that out as well. And always check out Bro Talk and subscribe and leave comments. Thank you, everyone, for like your support, for your love. Like, Super appreciate it. Cool. I appreciate everybody who, uh, if I didn't thank you last time for wishing me a happy birthday, it was kind of a whirlwind. The past couple of weeks, my grandparents were in town, so I haven't really been um, all together because, you know, I've been distracted. So shout out to everybody who's wished me a happy birthday and well wishes um, over the past two weeks. I appreciate it. All right. We good? Cool. All right. Um, for Dex, for Ty, for Bill, my name is Jason. Thank you, Pastor Michael McBride, for joining us tonight on this edition of Bro Talk Live. You guys have a wonderful week. Check us out on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages at Bro Talk Live. And we will see you bright and early, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 Eastern next week, Tuesday, Bro Talk Live.